0: all right it's another live edition of locked on pelicans the live thursday night friday shows let's talk about zion williamson's contract what does the weight clause actually mean in there i don't think it's much i'll explain in today's live episode of locked on pelicans plus take your questions let's go you are locked on pelicans Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube, where you might be watching the live show. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter, here with y'all. Excited to do a live show, talk all things New Orleans Pelicans that you want to know about. So we're going to dive right in. Thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, though. We're going to be for the month of August three days a week covering all the biggest topics. Tell a friend about the show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, comment down below on YouTube. So let's start off with what was reported by Rod Walker and Christian Clark of the AdvocateNola.com. By the way, I might be having an internet issue, so please tell me in the chat if there's some, some things going on there, but hopefully y'all can hear me. And hello to Marco, Bugshucker, Energy Slayer, Mike Sia here. Everyone's saying hi. I'm excited to be here with y'all as we do another live show. So it was reported that there is like a wait clause in there, and... I don't think this is a big deal. We knew there was some sort of protection for the team in Zion Williamson's contract. That had been reported a bunch. You might remember that I had said, I don't think there needs to be any. And if I were the Pelicans, I would just offer him a full five-year max that's fully guaranteed and not deal with any of that stuff just to try and get this deal done right away. Well, they more or less did. The reporting is that he needs to keep his weight plus his body fat percentage under a total of 295. All right, so it might be a little bit dicey on the internet here. Um, Hopefully it's not gonna be too bad as we do the show. If not, we'll just record it and then I'll just post it and that'll be that. But this is not a big deal, right? 295. So basically what I think they're kind of going for is they want him at 280. 285 plus 10% plus 15% body fat to keep you under that 180, one or sorry, 195, whatever, right? Like that's kind of the big thing. And then it's, if that's the case, the guaranteed money decreases. So a couple of things here, right? The guaranteed money is the key thing here. This is not a clause in the contract where if he weighs over a certain amount, he gets less money. It is not the case with how this works. Let's use some simple numbers here, that let's say it's a five year, $200 million contract. Okay, so 40 million a year on average. You know, he will still get all of that money, even if he weighs a thousand pounds and the Pelicans don't cut him. What this might mean is in year one of his contract, it's fully guaranteed. Year two, it might be partially guaranteed, three, four, five, partially guaranteed. But let's say that he is, of his $200 million five-year deal, hypothetical numbers, right, but kind of close, that $20 million of it is guaranteed every single season right off the bat. And that if he goes over that 295-pound number, he then only gets $10 million guaranteed in subsequent years. Even if he is 500 pounds and is on the roster through the end of that season, he gets all of the money. So as long as they don't waive him, and he play, and he's on the Pelicans for all of those years, at whatever weight he is, he still gets the entirety of that money. You don't; de- it's it's not decreasing it. It's not like if he comes in at three hundred and five pounds, they go, "Well, you are going to get five million dollars less this year." That's not how this works. So, in the grand scheme of things, unless you think they are going to waive him, I don't think it really ultimately matters that this is in there. You can say that it's motivation, but if he knows they're not going to cut him and we know that he's not going to cut them, then it's not going to matter. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to motivate him because I don't think that he it's going to help necessarily keep his weight under control if he doesn't want it to be under control. I ultimately think this is a very immaterial number and it doesn't matter whatsoever. So... It's nice that the Pelicans have this in there. I just don't think it's, you know, the big kind of carrot that people think it really could be. You know, think of it in terms of this, right? The way it would only work is Eric Bledsoe's contract. He's got, you know, he has, I think, one more year on it. It's a partial guarantee of $5 million out of his $15 million that he's making. And if he's cut by a certain period of time, a certain date, whatever that date might be, then... He only gets $5 million. He doesn't get the other $10 million, right? But if he stays on the roster by the end of the year, he gets, or by past that date, one day past that date, he gets the full amount of the money. So this doesn't reduce the amount of money that Zion Williamson can get at all. It just means if they cut him because he's not good or there's injuries, that then they're just on the hook for less and it counts less against the salary count. But given that I don't see a world where they're going to cut him, I don't think this ultimately ends up mattering much at all, So I don't think it's really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. The one thing that he can earn more money on is the Rose rule escalator. And that means this is, you know, comes from Derek Rose and his time in Chicago. There's a clause in these contracts that you can put in and they've put it in Zion Williamson's deal where if you make an all NBA team, win MVP or win defensive player of the year, any of those three. And the all NBA team can literally be any of the three all NBA teams you then just get more money. It becomes uh, significantly more. And so Zion, if he's ever going to be motivated, it's not because he's got a weight clause in there. It's simply because he can earn 40 more million dollars if he plays well. And to play well, well, you're going to need to be in shape. You're going to need to be doing all the things that you need to do. So I think that's where he's going to be the most motivated, not because there's a weight clause or anything like that in the contract. So I don't think that is ultimately gonna end up being much of anything or a big deal whatsoever. But now it's time to get to your question. So I wanted to talk about that, get that out of the way. Sorry if the video is lagging a little bit, working on the internet stuff here at my house, but I'm glad the audio is. I see your questions coming in. Let's get into your questions here in the next segment of today's live Locked On Pelicans episode. And today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. So you can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. So find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. And BetOnline.net continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They got you covered. So head to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device. You can get there as well to learn more about the action happening today over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, whether it is the Zion contract, whether it is free agency. Do the Pelicans have other moves up? We are going to be talking about it all here. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. So next two segments, it's literally going to be your time here so whatever you all want to talk about is what we are going to talk about so put your questions in the chat hello to everyone who's been saying hi nick here says predict zion's points per game and field goal percentage all nba team for him i think it's going to be close i think it's going to be really really close that he could make an all nba team he was relatively close two seasons ago when he was healthy right when he had that unbelievable sophomore year where he averaged 27 points per game, 3.7 assists, but once they switched to point Zion, that was closer to like four and a half, five assists per game. He shot 61% from the field, grabbed seven rebounds, including three offensive boards per game. Yeah, that is, those are really good numbers. Those are all NBA numbers. The problem for Zion is that the... The front court, for the way they do it in terms of positions, is crowded, right? Like, if you think of those front court players, right? Giannis is a forward, not a center. So is LeBron, Jimmy Butler. We can go through the list. I'm probably forgetting some names here just off the top of my head that are going to be in the running for All-NBA and locks, right? Like, LeBron is a lock to make an All-NBA team. So is maybe Anthony Davis, when healthy. So is Giannis. We could go forward with that. Uh, Jason Tatum's one, two you know, that, there's only six of those spots and Zion's going to qualify it forward. That's what might hurt him in terms of making it an all NBA team. But you know what? Getting 27 points per game and he's going to be in better shape. I think that's going to help him, right? He's more motivated than we've ever seen from him before. He's doing all the right things. So he can be better than what he was two years ago. And those were incredible, incredible numbers. So, yeah I think there's a chance that he ends up making third team all nBA but that's what it would take. It would also take the it would also take the pelicans being good and I think that's a really kind of key thing when it comes to all of this and this types into j p z here it says outside of a finals appearance what's a successful season results in your opinion if you look at the Pelicans in terms of the Vegas win total, win percentage, you know, they're saying that it's basically got to be the, the Pelicans are the eighth seed. It needs to be better than that, right? Like the play in tournament should not be the expectation for New Orleans. I think the sixth seed is what you're looking at. No, I I don't think it's J Jeff says Western conference finals. I don't think that right. Like be better than you were last season and show growth all over. And I think that could be enough to really make this a successful year. Getting out of the first round certainly would be a successful season. But I think just not being in the play-in tournament is like your first step. You know, it's like when you hear college football coaches be like, we want to win our conference. Then we want to win, you know, the, the, the championship game, our conference championship game. Then we want to win the national title. You kind of work your way up. And there's that like first step. The, the first step is six seed. And just worry about that for right now. You know, this is still a team that's growing, but they should be significantly better. And I did a show on the Vegas win total, and I think Vegas is underrating the Pelicans to a certain degree. I think, you know, they're they're projected to win according to Vegas, which is not quite a projection, right? It's designed to get you to bet on it. And the Pelicans aren't a public bet team. You know, that's nine more wins than they had this past season. I think Zion alone gives you about nine, ten wins. That's what his numbers have indicated in his career so far. That's how good he is. You know, a healthy, fully healthy year from BI should give you another win or two. CJ. Being here the whole season should probably give you two more wins than what he already provided to the team. Growth from guys like Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, that should be really helpful too. So I think when you look at that, you know, it should be above that 45 wins. And so I put him, you know, my mark would be six seed. Get the six seed and I'll be good. I'll be really happy with that. And from there, we can kind of talk and adjust our expectations throughout the season because I don't think you know, your your expectations and what's considered a successful season needs to just be rigid at the start of the year, right? This is something that can be adjusted as the season goes on. You're like, oh, this team's better than we thought. Well, let's raise up the expectations. There's no reason to stick to what we had at the beginning of the year. And of course, injuries can, you know, also impact all of that and see if, you know, that kind of changes things here. So I think that's a very big thing to kind of keep in mind. Uh, Joshua here says, thinks this team can win 50, 50 to 55 games. 55, I think is really high. 50, I think could be realistic. And look, that's a really good season. That's a really good season. And I think that's definitely worth, you know, keeping in mind here. I think it's more than what Vegas says, but also keep in mind, they're pretty accurate when it comes to that sort of stuff, like scarily accurate for the most part. You also don't have the Lakers in that win total, nor the Jazz either. So that probably skews those numbers a little bit as well. But I definitely think that, you know, 50 wins on the high end could be what they what they go for. And I think definitely uh, the sixth seed is the uh, minimum kind of expectation and would consi- be considered a good year. Big Pabs says, Jake, how many All-Stars do we have this year? You know, I think they're going to get one. I don't think they're going to get two. It'll either be Zion or Brandon Ingram, just kind of depending. You know, the Andrew Wiggins things was a fluke last year and probably kept Brandon Ingram out of that slightly. Though I don't think he would have made it even if it wasn't Wiggins, it could have easily been someone else. But I do think that they can get they'll get one guy in this year. It should be either Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson. Both would mean this team is doing really, really good. And if they get both, then like that's where we adjust our expectations to be like through the roof even higher than what we thought about before. So I definitely think at least one. Two means you're looking. You're probably adjusting your expectations to be a top four seed at that point. That could be a uh, very, very good problem to have. And if that ends up being what it is. Braden Olson asks, how worried are you about the Pelicans starting lineup defensively? You know, it's not great. I do think Jonas Valanciunas, who will be in that starting lineup, is an underrated defender compared to what you know the people who wanted to run him out of town were saying after the postseason play against the Phoenix Suns in that series. I think he's underrated. I think he's fine defensively. He's not good. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's atrocious or anything like that. I think he's fine. You know, B.I. definitely stepped up and had his best defensive season from what we've seen from him as a pro. Herb Jones is Herb Jones. Should be on the all-defensive team, first or second team this season. So, you know, your weak links are C.J. McCollum and Zion Williamson at that point. It's not horrible, right? Like, if Zion can give more of an effort, if Zion starts to get some of that right, which I think is a stretch, I think that is a big stretch for him, but I don't think they're going to be terrible defensively. And I also think offensively, they should be good enough that it, it'll be okay. Like, it'll be okay. It's not ideal, certainly, but it will definitely be okay. They're going to be good enough offensively that, you know, if they're a top five offense and they're the 16th best defense in the bottom half of the league, that's fine. They don't need to be an elite defensive team. That's not necessarily what their identity is. It's just going to be average on that side of the ball. And I think that is going to keep them kind of going and okay. So I definitely think they can be better defensively than what we've expected from them, but I don't think they're going to be elite defensively, though I'm very intrigued about that small ball lineup that I did a show on this week. And I hope that with Trey Murphy in there, that kind of unlocks some things because I think he's a very impactful defender and can be a really good player for New Orleans this coming season. Fake News says, would you trade Herb Jones for KD straight up? You know, if you're talking in a vacuum where we don't need to match salaries and all sorts of things like that, like I actually would do that. I would absolutely, and you're gonna, all, gonna hate me in the chat here, would trade Herb Jones for KD straight up if you didn't have to include other players to make the salaries work. Yeah, you, you, you probably jump to being a title favorite next year. Don't forget that Kevin Durant is a really good defender, too. He is a top, when he's healthy, top five guy in the league. I would absolutely trade Herb Jones for that guy, even if it's like three years of that guy. Because to pair him with Zion and Brandon Ingram, absolutely, that is going to be a scary, scary good team. Nick asks, can Zion become an all-league defender in the NBA like he was at Duke? No. No, he cannot. Or at least I don't think he can. You know, at Duke, what made him great and what helped him, I think, was that the spacing isn't as good at the NBA level. What made him a terror defensively was not so much the block shots and things, right? It's... He was a very instinctual defender at Duke when you watch the film on him. He just has like a nose for the ball, to use a cliche. And you saw him go for steals, know when to kind of jump in the passing lanes and do a lot of those things. That is much easier to do when the spacing is worse, when it's smaller because the three-point line is shorter in college. It's harder to do that when guys are spaced out more and... You're not able to jump those passing lanes as easy and things like that. So no, I don't think what made him such a tear defensively at Duke is necessarily going to translate to him being an all-NBA, you know, an all-defensive team guy. I think he can be a fine defender. I don't think he's going to be an elite defender. Again, it's easy, even easier to block shots right out on the three-point line when you don't have to go as far to contest those sorts of things. You know, when guys aren't as big and you're just a dominant player going up against at times scrubs and times not scrubs. And I think that's where I look at it and I go, okay, he's not going to be an amazing defender at the NBA level. And that's okay. That is absolutely okay. Be good enough. Be good enough. And that will definitely help his career and make him kind of, you know, fine. He's still a really good player. Any sort of defense he gives you is Lanyap at this point. So I'm not overly worried about him defensively, but I don't think he's going to be an amazing, amazing player here uh, on the defensive side of the ball. We got some people saying Pelicans top three. uh, It was Trevan Andrews says Pelicans top three team next year, period. I absolutely love the confidence in that one. Josh Smith, I hope you're the Josh Smith, says, do you think Kyra will get any playing time once he's healthy? eventually it's going to take some time, right? Like he's not going to be healthy and back until December, January. And that point, the rotation is going to be set and it might be tough for him to crack into that, you know, depending on the guard play, depending on if they make another move, you know? So I don't think he's going to get a ton of playing time and it's tough to work your way back from one of those injuries and then kind of get into the rotation, right? He wasn't like a key piece going, you know, when he was healthy last year for New Orleans. So to jump into that kind of role isn't going to be, the easiest thing for him just yet. Sterling Jones asked, do you see Trey Murphy starting in the near future or is six man his better role? I don't think it's so much a six man necessarily, right? Like it's just, you know, he, he's still a bit of a role player to a certain degree right now. You know, who, who would he replace in the starting lineup is kind of the big question. Right, Zion's not going to be playing the five. So you don't take Valanciunas out, slide Zion to the five, and then put Trey Murphy there. I don't think you have Trey Murphy playing center for you, you know, significant minutes outside of that small ball lineup that we talked about a lot, right? And you could also potentially, potentially, though I think that would be wrong, have Larry Nance Jr. ahead of him in the rotation with everything, just kind of on that small uh, power forward spot, even though I think he can also play the wing. So I don't see him in that yet. You know, it's just, it's, who who are you going to take out, right? You know, if you lose BI, if you lose uh, CJ McCollum, sure. Herb Jones, yeah. But with that right now, I don't think that's really going to be anything kind of different from what we've seen from him so far. I think he gets into games early. And should, and should play significant minutes. I don't know if that's a sixth man necessarily, or if that's a seventh man, right? That's why I think kind of using that phrase isn't right. But he's going to be a key sub for the team off the bench. And a guy that's going to be relied on to hit some threes and space the court and do some damage when teams are doubling and tripling Zion Williamson. Comfortable views as... What does EJ being hurt, EJ Liddell being hurt uh, due to the roster? Does it buy us time to see how Graham plays with Zion? I don't think it changes anything. You know, like they were going to look to make a move. I think they'd like to have another roster spot just in general. You know, I'm sure there was a free agent they would have liked to have gone after at a certain point. But, you know, given the lack of roster spots, they weren't really able to do anything like that. So I don't think it, it necessarily changes much. I think it just means you don't have to make a move. Right now, but one you would have to imagine at some point is going to be coming, you know, in some capacity, I think. So we'll see, but I don't think that that changes much. This ties into what Bryant Thomas asked what's the chances of trading Graham? You know, I think he's probably the number one guy to be shipped out. You know, I think if they do that, they probably want to bring in another guard. I still think they could use another backup big that's maybe more of a defensive specialist than you know, and by backup big, I mean backup center compared to Billy Hernan Gomez. I think Hernan Gomez is fine as backup center for your team. Um, But certainly he's the most likely guy to go. I couldn't put a percentage on it. If it was that easier, if there was a move out there, they would have done it by now. They haven't. So it's probably not the easiest thing. I don't think Graham has a ton of value around the league whatsoever. So that's not You know, ideal for New Orleans, but certainly if there's a move there, he's gonna be one of the guys that likely is going to be going out. Chad Campbell asks, any update on the Bally sports contract or changes to the network? I gave you all a whole show about that. We've talked about it here as well. Go look up that episode. No, it's basically gonna be the same the the structure of it'll be the same as last year, right? There's going to be a new app that you can pay for to watch games in market if you don't have cable. It's likely going to be $20 a month. You know, I hope they have additional content on there to make that worthwhile paying for that's not just games hinting and we'll we'll see, but that's kind of what it is. But there'll be changes, new graphic packages, things like that, but nothing, you know, it's not like wholesale changes. So get into more of your questions coming up here next in the today, in the today, in today's live episode, mailbag episode of Locked On Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It's going to be a fun Pelican season, isn't it? So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show. I have despite being like the expert, right? The guy who hosts a show and the numbers unlocked on Pelicans, thanks to you all are insane, right? It's like, if you added up all the other podcasts, it's like, it's like five times, 10 times more than all of them because of you all. Right. And I still get friends who text me really dumb things. Should we trade for this guy? And it's like, what? Or he's like, this guy's good at this. And that is not the case. I kind of roll my eyes at my friends when they do this, but I know it annoys you, right? Like when that happens, make sure your friends aren't doing that. Get them tuned in to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. We're here Monday through Friday, though the month of August will be Monday, Tuesday, and then, or sorry, Monday, Wednesday, and then live show Thursday night um, for the Friday show. So I appreciate you all saying who, who, you know, tunes in all the time. Um, Jay Dogson here, love the content, watch, listen daily. Thank you so much for being able to do all of that, and I appreciate you being in here. Fake News says I love all your shows. As long as I'm not Fake News too, I will take it. So I appreciate y'all being here and hanging out with me. By the way, go check out the Locked on Saints podcast if you don't. Ross Jackson, in town, covering training camp. Dude's better than me. I wish I was as good as him. He is awesome, and he's giving you some excellent content, live hits from like the field from the facility, he's going to be crushing the daily Saints coverage. Make sure you give him a follow. It's at Ross Jackson on Twitter if you don't, and follow and subscribe to the Locked On Saints podcast. All right, let's keep taking your questions here as I kind of go through the chat. I might miss some things here, so if I do, I am sorry about that. Um, Just don't spam the chat. I see some of y'all being basically jerks down there, and I'm just going to you, if I see that. So, kind of as simple as that. So, don't do that. Let's all be happy here. Um, Dom Fiorenza says Will the Pels look at offloading Jackson Hayes and Graham to free up some money for 2023 20, free agents? So, a couple of things with that, right? They don't they don't need to free up money, right? You know, one, they'll move Graham, but Graham's a partial guarantee in the third year of the contract, which is next year. So that makes it easier to move then. Jackson A's is going to be a free agent. So you don't need to move him now. You can simply just not re-sign him and it frees up some money. But here's the thing. And I have an episode on this too. I've covered all these things. We've done one looking at their salary cap situation, and we'll do one again, looking at their salary cap situation and what it looks like going forward. The way it works in the NBA, if you're not as familiar with the salary cap, right? There's a soft cap and then a hard cap. You can go over the soft cap to re-sign your own guys, but not necessarily to sign other, not your own guys, right? Not for, You can't use some of that money to sign free agents necessarily. So if you let Jackson Hayes walk and you're already over that soft cap, it's not like, cool, I can go spend what he made on another guy. Not always. So Letting him walk doesn't necessarily do you a lot of good for nothing unless you just couldn't get anything in a trade for him and you don't want to commit future money to him. So I don't know if it's... So part of the reason you trade him is that, you know, they really... You want to get something in return for him that's under contract longer and you just don't want to pay him. I think that's kind of one of those situations of why, you know, he might be on the outs from the team despite having a lot of talent still that he just hasn't really tapped into just yet and I'm glad that some of y'all don't think I'm crazy for just straight up trading Herb Jones for Kevin Durant because yes I would still do that but again when you factor in everything else that goes into that first round picks you got to give up other good players you would need to pick up that is not something that I would really end up doing so I think that's going to be a bit of a problem Charles Jenkins says hey Jake hi man when this team learns to pass more and kick out for the open uh, for the open shot, and when Bi and Zion recognize the double team to pass, this team is going to surprise the NBA. So here's the thing, right? They they know how to do that. They know how to do that, right? Zion was point Zion for a reason. He knows how to pass out of double teams. Same for Brain and Ingram. The reason you didn't see some high assist numbers this past year was those other guys didn't hate make their shots, right? You probably had a ton of like. Uh, assists left on the table essentially right potential assists for brandon ingram that didn't come to fruition because guys couldn't shoot this was a bad three-point shooting team this past year right let me pull up the numbers here they they were they were not good it was it was ugly um they shot 33.2 percent from three last season that was 27th in the league so fourth worst that's atrocious They didn't take a ton of three-point shots because those guys knew they weren't good shooters and passed up wide-open three-point shots. But now you have Zion there, and that opens things up more. You have Trey Murphy, who's going to play a bigger role. You have Jose Alvarado, who, yes, he can shoot, is going to play a bigger role too, those guys will get more catch-and-shoot threes, which are easier than off the dribble threes. I think that's going to help improve that three-point percentage. And as I've said, and I will repeat until it's not true anymore, and that probably is never going to happen, you don't put shooters out there to space the court for Zion, because no one will respect those shooters over defending Zion Williamson. You put shooters out there to make teams pay for double-teaming Zion. And if Trey Murphy's getting more minutes, and he shot 38% from three last year on decent volume I think that this team can move up the rankings in terms of three point percentage and that will certainly help them a little bit and I think that is uh what you'll end up seeing happens Tony (laughs) says so so let us know what's up what's good with these red jerseys the reds will change that's all I can say I don't have like full authority to uh to to post things I have seen them I think they look very good I'll leave it at that. It's not the changes y'all want. Um, Let me know what you think in the chat here. What do you all think of the Detroit Pistons teal horse jerseys? Because I kind of love those, but I'm also like a mid-90s kid at age 36. So that's kind of like when I was growing up. So I love those kind of retro things like that. Nola G asked, do we need another three-point specialist? If so, who? He asked, Buddy Healed. I'd love Buddy Healed. I just don't know how you make the math work with the contract he's over. He's owed what, like 6, 8, 18 million, 20 million, something like that, more than that. I don't think that is an easy thing to do. And in terms of making money work, unless you send out Devontae Graham and someone else. But I don't necessarily think the Indiana Pacers want that. But I would love to bring Buddy Heal back to New Orleans to be a three-point shooter and to be another threat on this team. I think they'd like to add another one. It just, there aren't a ton of things out there that are easy to pull off and make a ton of sense until some of the stuff around Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell is settled a little bit. And I saw someone early on, I don't have it right in front of me, saying, Donovan Mitchell, giving a lot of praise to this Pelicans team. He has, right? Like He has definitely... um, uh, praised Herb Jones, Willie Green, this Pelicans team a lot. It's interesting to see him, you know, really like this team, but I don't think there's a trade that makes a ton of sense to bring him here. Um, Dom asked, would it be a good idea to trade the Lakers picks before the season begins while there's still question marks on the Lakers? No, because there's so much potential for the Lakers to like completely implode. And I did an episode last week basically saying the world's could get a number one overall pick from the Lakers. I really think that that is a, 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 a realistic option. That's how like volatile they could be. So now I'd hold those unless there's like it, unless it makes a lot of sense in a trade and it's like this is the pick we got to give up. Then like yeah, you do that. Um, but I wouldn't just do it because it's like we got to offload these assets because I'm worried they're gonna get worse. Um, Jim Watson asks you start going to post game interviews and we can interact with the players more. You know, I, I can. I have a media credential. I usually run home to record though. When I'm at the games, instead of going to do that, I want to get back and record the show for y'all as quick as possible because I know how much y'all tune in right after the fact of games and I want to react kind of right in the moment. So I end up skipping going to the interviews, which would take like an hour to two hours to do all of that. And I'd rather get the podcast out for y'all sooner. So I don't really end up doing all of that. Um, is Gail Benson likely to be willing to pay the luxury tax eventually? I'm a little jealous of Warriors ownership uh, and their willingness to open up the checkbook. Nick asked this. They will eventually, like they will eventually, but it would need to be like, we are a title contender, right? Like you make the Western Conference finals or you come really close to making the Western Conference finals and you can sell Gail Benson on, we got to do this. We got to do this. And I think she would for a year or two. I just don't think it's a regular thing that they would be willing to do which is unfortunate here. So just kind of one of those things. Oh, my chat just jumped here. Um, Salmoner asks, what about trading for Mike Conley? Like, no, what's he gonna bring, right? He's kind of washed up. I'm sure he'd be cheap to go and get, but I just don't think that he adds a ton to this this team really, like whatsoever. So like, eh, it doesn't really, he doesn't move the needle for me. Benoit Robinson says, I do my best to share the show on Instagram and Facebook. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you, dude, for for helping support the show. Spread the word, right? Like it's going to be a fun Pelican season. It's more fun if others are involved and like kind of knowing what's going on around the team here. Uh, No comfortable views. Can Willie Green win coach of the year? Yeah. If they make a big jump, right? If this team's in the top four of the West- I'd be willing to bet now that he would be a lock for Coach of the Year if they kind of make that leap. If they can get home court advantage in the first round, he absolutely, I I guarantee right now if they do that, he'd win Coach of the Year. As simple as that, right? If they get close, if they get over 50 wins, I definitely think that he can win Coach of the Year. So yes, Willie Green, who everyone praises, everyone loves, and it's his birthday when I'm recording this. Happy birthday, Coach. Um, Yes, absolutely he can win coach of the year. I don't really think that is out of the realm of possibility at all. I don't know if they have the coach of the year odds or anything, but certainly that could be a very, very good one to bet on here. Sign and trade for Colin Sexton or keep Hosea as a backup? This one comes from Sterling Jones. I'm going to try and answer all your questions today. Uh, you know, I don't think they need to tr- sign and trade for him. Again, $20 million a year, and he... I like Colin Sexton. I think two years ago he was an all NBA guy and a top 25 player in the league. The problem was, you know, he's a score, right? He's an inefficient score that doesn't give you much defensively, that doesn't pass much either. Where does that fit on this team? Like where does that guy fit on this team? I like him as a player. I just don't necessarily think that's exactly the type of player that this team needs. And, you know, if you're going to do that, trade for Donovan Mitchell instead, who is... Significantly better than Colin Sexton, that doesn't have you know kind of the injury questions and things like that. So, I don't think that Colin Sexton is a guy that you need here. Uh, Flight Miz Mizerk says, Talk about the second unit. I I mean, what do you want me to say about the second unit? I don't think they're as deep as some people want to make them out to be. You know, I like Jose Alvarado in spurts and with the starters. But we saw him struggle at times in the postseason against the Phoenix Suns when he was in the half court. Great picking up dudes full court. Can he do that a whole game? Like honestly, actually, yeah, he probably could. Dyson Daniels is gonna take a little while to come along. How does how does Jackson Hayes fit in with the second unit or Larry Nance Jr. fit in the second unit, right? Like there's some big questions there still. So I don't think it's great. I, you know, but there's depth. That if you rotate things properly, and you can keep one of Brain and Ingram or Zion Williamson on the court at all times, I think that is kind of what's going to really carry your second unit. So you craft it kind of around those guys and put complementary players exactly around them. And I think that's kind of the the type of thing that you've got to do. Um, John Marceau says, "What are the chances we resign CJ McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. this year? You don't need technically. It's an extension, right? So you're giving them an extension." Like, yeah, it's going to happen. Don't worry. That's going to happen. They'll both be, you know, extended. And I think they're going to be really, really happy about this. King Hudson says, I really think Jackson Hayes, despite spelling his first name wrong, will break out this year and we need him. I don't think they need him. I don't think there's a ton of minutes for him at the power forward spot, right? You know, I was on the radio in Lafayette talking about this yesterday. In terms of Jackson Hayes, this hurts him too, right? So the contract stuff hurts him, but then positionality hurts him too, right? He's a power forward now, not a center anymore, correct? Because that's what they started him at. That's what everyone agrees really helped him. So with that, you know, I I have questions because Zion's taking that starting spot. Trey Murphy's going to play the four. Larry Nance Jr. is going to play the four. Where does Jackson Hayes fit into that? He might, he might fit in as a backup center, those type of things, but there's, he feels something like an odd man out, right, to a certain degree. So I think that could be a big problem for him. ABJ 504 says, do you see more people trying the Jose sneaky steals? I don't think very few other people in the league are going to be able to pull that off. And I think it's going to be harder for him to pull it off this year, which means when he does pull it off, we got to cheer even louder because it's more impressive then and I think that is the the thing when it comes to that King Hudson again spelling Jackson Hayes's name wrong, you know was productive for us. Let the man develop. Y'all be quick to write off players and get mad when they do good elsewhere. Here's the thing with that, right? Two years in a row, he has started this season in the rotation and played so poorly that he got benched. That's on him, right? That's him not showing the development. Then he came on strong to close the year. I don't think he was bad in that Phoenix Sun series that pe- you know, to the point where people were like making it out to be him as the scapegoat. I thought he was fine in the limited minutes that he played. The problem is he's gone through this twice now. And that's enough evidence to be concerned about it that he has not added much to his game. It's going to be his fourth year. Other guys have added more and developed more than he has. That's on him, right? No one was like, oh, we're not going to give you minutes to start the year, so you, we, you can't even show us what you're doing. He played, and he played very poorly. That is a problem for him. That is a knock on him. Do you think the Pelicans beat the Suns in a playoff series next season with Zion healthy? If it's the same Suns from this past year, yeah, especially with uh, uh, Devin Booker out for some periods of time. All right, some people agree with me that the Pistons jerseys are good. Yes, I agree. Um, Jpz says New Orleans has too much culture for our jerseys not to pop. So here. I'll give you this. There's a rant I might do. I might try and get Andrew Lopez on the show to discuss this with him, right? New Orleans is like so many different things that it's tough to make one jersey that is like all-encompassing, right? Like the uptown St. Charles Mardi Gras, you know, Perlis Polo Mardi Gras jerseys are like New Orleans culture to some people. And to some people, it's not, right? And it's bland. And so if you, how do you do a New Orleans East jersey? And if you do that, is that going to resonate with the uptown crowd with a Metairie crowd, right? I think there's so many different things that it makes it tough to find a jersey that works. So they end up just going with like a generic Mardi Gras jersey because there's too many kind of different things there. So that's a bit of a problem, I think, when it comes to designing these. Um, and that's it. There are some very creative designs they've talked about and discussed that end up, didn't end up becoming a reality. And I can't go into any more detailed than that i wish there was a book of like rejected jersey designs for all nba teams because it would be really cool i don't really have a problem with the jerseys i don't love the blues i would do some minor tweaks to certain things i think they're fine the reds are always my favorite but i do really like the city edition jerseys they've had this past year too it's fine. You know, there's more that they can really do here. Uh, Nola G, really appreciate you, Jake. Thanks, fam. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. This is what makes this fun. We're going on 45 minutes for y'all too, because you all are uh, here chatting with me and I love it. So thank you for the passion and all that you bring to this fan base and it makes it fun to do my job here. So I love doing this because of you all. So y'all don't need to thank me. Thank you. Couple of you brought up Boyan Bogdanovich from the Jazz. He's a good fit. He's a very, very good fit. It's going to take at least one first-round pick to get him. You got to make the salary work. He makes about 20 million dollars off the top of my head. I like that, but you're not going to do anything for him yet until Donovan Mitchell is traded. So if you want the Pelicans to potentially go after him, and I agree that he would be a good fit for this team, you're going to have to wait for the Donovan Mitchell trade to get done first. Has Zion grown? I don't think so. He might be a little bit bigger. I think he's always been a little bit bigger than what they've listed him at, but I don't think that he has grown like a ton ton or anything like that. I think he is just like kind of is what he is. So I wouldn't worry about that too much or anything like that. Uh, Yes, Mike D'Antoni is still considered a coaching consultant as far as I know. With this team, you know, he's just there he around and gives gives some advice to pay him a little bit of money to be able to do that. You know, not the biggest role or anything like that. Uh, ABJ 504, black and gold Pelicans jerseys. That would be cool. I think they do want to keep some of the identity separate from the Saints, but I definitely think that that could be a very good option at some point for the team. It would be fun, right? Um, you've seen what, Don't didn't the... Toronto Raptors do a black and gold one too as an alternate one or two years, and it looked pretty good. And that has nothing to do with their color scheme. So definitely, black and gold looks good on basketball jerseys. So definitely, I think that that would be a great thing. Nology says, "Is Nance a poor man's Draymond Green?" No, like no one's really a poor man's Draymond Green. Um, I, I think Jeremy Sohan could have, but the Spurs drafted him. I think Nance is Nance. He's a power forward that can stretch the court a little bit. You know that can play some small ball center for you. That's kind of what he is, right? Like he's he's a fifth man if he's starting for you. That's kind of the way you view him, and I think that's a perfect role for for him. So I think that's that's fine. Should we trade for the other Bogdanovich? They're not related from the Hawks. I, I think Boyan with the Jazz is the better one, and I think that's the 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 one that you would try and go for. though also the one who's far more attainable. And I think that's. Also something to kind of keep in mind that the opportunity cost is there, like he won't cost you too much, and I think that's good. Sterling Jones here, who is a masochist in some capacity, start, bench, cut, Omer Asik, Alexei Ajinza, Greg Steemsma. You know, you... (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that one. You start... It's probably that order, right? Like, it's probably you start Omer Asik, you bench Alexei Ajinza, and you cut Greg Steemsma. Basically what the Pelicans did... Funny, funny story about a Jinsa. I, I believe he married um, someone from Metairie, right? While he was in town. And at one point he was looking to like buy a home. So I think they could like settle down here and went to like the Pelicans and was like, y'all have a realtor that you use that you like you, that you give to the players to kind of help them buy their home and not have to be too involved in all of that stuff. And, and basically like Del Demps was like, "Don't. I wouldn't recommend that you do that. Like, do you, have you have you ever understood the true cost of home ownership? And it was basically like, no, you know, they're going to, we're going to try and trade you. So like, maybe don't buy a house because we're looking to deal you. Which one speaks to Dell Demps. You know, I've seen a lot of like positive revisionist history on him. And I I do not understand that. He was a very bad people person. And a lot of people in the front office just disliked the way he treated people. Very cold, very standoffish, even to players' families um, and that's one of the reasons why when he was fired I was it was on a game day and I was in the building that day I think it was um, I believe it was Valentine's Day that like everyone like st- ticket people, broadcast people were like very happy that he had been fired because basically it was like the jerk is gone to a certain degree. Um, Robbie Coletti says here, why do you think the national media doesn't give us the respect we think that we think we deserve? I think people worry about that too much. And I think this is a result of fandom, right? How many of y'all here say we, when you refer to the team, right? This is, and I do it too. This is a sport writer's pet peeve. Ask Andrew Lopez about it. He hates it. You know, it's we, right? Like you're part of the team when you're not, it's a completely separate thing. So when they're insulted by national media, like you're offended, right? And, you know, uh, I think people worry about this too much when the national media doing that, like doesn't actually influence things. It's just stuff they talk about, right? Like, and I think you're starting to see kind of people come around to this pelvic team and think they're, you know, they could be good. And part of it is they don't have the track record, right? You know, Anthony Davis really wanting out, Chris Paul really wanting out, doesn't look good on an organization. You know, they haven't ever really attracted big name free agents, not that they've had money to attract big name free agents and all of that stuff. You know, it takes winning and it takes consistent winning, not just one good season every four or five years. Um, and that's what it's going to take. So, you know, the team hasn't been good. Go look up their their history, right? You know, it's not great. So until you do that, it takes a while for people to come around and you can give a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more leeway to a team like the Lakers or even the Knicks. Right. The Knicks have a worse record than the Pelicans, than New Orleans does since New Orleans has come into the league. But they at least can get big name free agents and people want to play there for whatever reason. When New Orleans doesn't have that kind of same Ability, So they don't have the same ability to kind of restock, retool or have guys force trades to the team like those big markets teams do. So even if they're worst run organizations, worst teams, and the Knicks are, you know, people still give them more of a benefit of a doubt because of that. And to a certain degree, I absolutely get it. You know, again, it, it takes building a track record. And until you build that track record, people are going to be skeptical about you. And I don't necessarily... Think that's wrong. How many times have you gotten your hopes up for this Pelicans team only for them to be like smashed like a bug on a windshield? Right? Like, we, that th- it's happened. It happens regularly. They have not even made the playoffs a third. Maybe it's they made the playoffs a third of the time they've been here. That's not great. So, it takes consistent winning. And so, that's why when I've seen people say, like, trade for Kevin Durant, go all in. No, you know what? Making the playoffs eight straight years or six out of eight years, seven out of eight years at the expense of a title run with Kevin Durant can actually help you because it builds some of that track record, right? Like those type of things matter. Yeah, Lionel Simmons says the Dome was sad and CP3 had New Orleans popping. Absolutely, win and it will be okay. But it's not just have one good season. Win consistently. It takes three, four years of that in a row to really kind of get... Some of that. Kyle uh, Cross says, I'm anxiously waiting for the schedule to drop so I can book another trip to New Orleans. Absolutely. Make sure, let me know when you're in town. I'll try and say hi at the arena for a game. You can always find me running around, walking around the concourses and things like that. I'll be sitting. I have season tickets, so I'll go do the media stuff before the game. Then I go to my season tickets for the game rather than sitting on Media Row so I can hang out with my friends and have beers and enjoy the game. That way I'll be in the lower bowl this year and I am excited about it. Zion, Comeback Player of the Year. I think he's going to be fighting against certain things because he was already really, really good. So I think that's going to work against him to a certain degree. But I do think um, that he will be in the running for it. Um, Robbie says, thanks for the shout-out. If you have the time at the end of the, vi- at the video, can you share the most special moment you've experienced watching the Pelicans? I might do, that's, a go- that's a good one. I might do that as a whole show. And that gives me an idea for something else. I'm going to be bringing listeners onto the show, like on here where you can talk to me, They people can see you. We'll be doing that throughout the month of August. I'm going to do a couple episodes around that. So I'll be putting out like a shout out for that. i will probably got to make a form for all that. It's going to be fun. So maybe we'll put, we'll thread that in. I like that question. That's a good one. Um, all right. It seems like we're starting to run out of questions though. we still have a ton of people in here. So we can go maybe make this an even hour. So if you've got a couple more questions, throw them in where we can start to wrap up the live show. Don't forget, we are going to be doing these still every Thursday. There will be a new episode of Locked on Pelicans on Mondays, a new episode on Wednesday mornings, nothing on Tuesday. And then we will also have these live shows Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, and it kind of counts as that Friday show is how it'll work. So you can either watch it on Thursday or Friday, but there won't be then two episodes those Thursday CJ and Zion on the court at the same time. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about that. Um, he's never played with a guy who's an off the dribble shooter like that, and that's big. Go look at, go watch some of those old episodes about the trade for him, why they were looking to trade for him, and then what I talked about after they traded for him. The number of unassisted threes he makes are really high, and they've never had a player at that level. And I think because of that, it's going to free him up more, right? Like you can't sag off of C.J. McCollum to potentially go double Zion. You got to stick a dude on him. It means someone is going to be open somewhere, and that's a good thing. Quincy Harvey, how is Kyra Lewis coming along? He's coming along. You know, that's not an easy injury to recover from. He was around the team um, you know, in Vegas a little bit. He's been around the team here in New Orleans too. He's just kind of working out, doing his thing, still right around and doing what he needs to do. Little dude from the street asks, what uh, What do you think Zion should work on the most? I say passing and defense. Yeah, th- that's it. Like the passing's going to be big, right? You know, there's not a true, true point guard on this roster. They are kind of going point guard by committee in a sense, right? Like B.I. is 75% of a ball handler. C.J. is about half of a ball handler. Zion's about half of a ball handler. Definitely try and um, work on the passing because he's going to be a guy with the ball in his hand. And I think that's going to be uh, definitely a way that they're going to go with this to kind of make up for all of that sort of stuff. Um, Justin says EJ Liddell gets a contract. Maybe we'll find out, you know, they still have a two-way deal they could use with him to kind of do right by him. They don't have a roster spot for him right now. Maybe it's something as simple as an exhibit 10 deal to keep him there with Birmingham. We'll see. It's not, it's not a good situation for him to be in. It's just really unfortunate. Again, that was guy who's 19th on my big board. And I was thrilled when they were able to draft him. It was a guy that they'd said had, they had scouted a lot. So they were really high on. Um, so it's, disappointing what ended up happening to him. Look, nothing new on that. The next update we get on it is going to be what it is. I don't think you'll necessarily really hear rumors about it. It'll just be like, this is what they're doing. Um, Matt Harrison asks, are we going to run point Zion as much as last year? Well, not last year, but the year before with BI developing his passer, have him handle the passing. so it, Everyone's going to handle the ball. Everyone is going to handle the ball. Herb Jones is going to handle the ball. All of them, all of them are going to be handling the ball. So it Everyone's going to be do it, which eases the burden on all of those guys here. So I think that's going to end up being kind of how it is. Um, how long do you think it'll take for chemistry to develop with Zion coming back? It won't be too bad. They're going to probably do workouts out of town somewhere. Zion better be there for all of that after skipping it last year. That'll help things. You know, you can work on a lot of that and ease him back in. So I don't think it'll be too bad. Having him around for the full off season. really, really, really Really big. Um, Young Prospect17 asks, what do you think about the Pells trading for Jordan Clarkson? You know, I don't hate the idea. I don't love it. If you want a gunner with the second unit, he's gettable, certainly. But again, you're still waiting for that Donovan Mitchell trade to be done. They won't move him or anything like that until that is all done here, Sterling Jones with these crazy, crazy questions, right? Best team player in Pel's history: Quincy Pondexter, Rondo, or Drew? You know, Pondexter like wrecked his knee and almost wrecked his career to help get this team into the playoffs and be somewhat competitive. You could almost say that that would be be good, but you know, I'm not, I'm not quite. Sure. Charles Cruz. Is Kyra Lewis Jr. Would be would he be the X Factor when he returned? No. He's not really going to get minutes, I don't think, right away. And this could end up being a bit of a, lo- a lost season for him as well, which is sad, all of those things. Um, prime Davis or Prime Zion? I'm not sure. I'd have to think about that. Right now, I'd actually take Prime Anthony Davis. You know, that was a guy that could go out and score 50 points, and I thought one year should have won Defensive Player of the Year over Rudy Gobert. You know, at his prime, that dude is beastly good. So that's that's something to kind of keep in mind, too. Um, yes, the Pelicans can fight for the division. I think the Mavs take a bit of a step back. We'll see if, you know, that Jaron Jackson Jr. injury does anything to the Memphis Grizzlies, too you know, and do they maybe end up taking a step back? Did they overachieve to a certain degree last season? So I think it's open. I don't think they ultimately end up winning that division, but I think there is a chance for them to do it. And then Lionel Simmons asked, why did EJ Liddell come back into that game? I don't know. They probably cleared him and said he was fine. I don't know if one injury necessarily led to the other. You know, that's, that's one of those things where we have no idea, no way to know that it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, and Hunter Merritt asks, and we might end on this, what is the ceiling for this Pelicans team and what is the floor? I think the ceiling is like a top four seed. You know, I think or a top probably the fourth seed would be the ceiling. I think the floor could be still the playing tournament. The West is still really good. The West is really good. And that is going to make it tough, right? There's no team that is like outright tanking necessarily other than maybe the Rockets but even the Rockets are going to surprise some people next year like Utah's tanking and the Spurs are tanking in the West that's that's really it right like OKC should be more improved Houston should be more improved you know so there's maybe four teams that aren't like good but that still means you're dealing with 15 teams and that's or sorry, eleven teams. That's still tough, right? So, like, the floor could be that you're only the, in the play-in tournament. But I think the ceiling definitely could be, four, uh, top four seed, probably the fourth seed. I don't think really any higher than that. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode, this live episode of Locked On Pelicans. Got a ton of you joining in here. I appreciate you all taking time of your day to be here and chatting with me. This will be the Friday show. I am excited about this Pelican season. I hope you are as well. Thank you all for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're going to be Monday, Wednesday, then Thursday slash Friday live show for the next month as we kind of wind it down in the real slow part. But we're going to be bringing y'all onto the show. We're going to be having some fun. This was great. I appreciate it. Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to Pelicans next season. So please, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do it on iTunes and Spotify. You click five stars, just write, like, love the show. Whatever you want to put in there, you can put a question and I might read it on the show. It's a great way to support the show. Keep it free for y'all because we're here all the time. No paywall or anything like that. Tell a friend about the show so they don't text you dumb Pelicans questions, right? And of course, comment on YouTube, and subscribe on YouTube as well. Well, you're all here, and I'm assuming you all do that anyway. We don't ask for much. It takes like 30 seconds total. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, and I'll be back with y'all on Monday.